0: Welcome to Healthy Wealthy You, where we'll continue to explore all aspects of functional medicine and good health. We'll help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. Now, here is your host, Dr. Camille Vardy.
1: Hello, this is Dr. Camille and Healthy Wealthy You. I've emphasized many times on this show that in order to be healthy, It's so important to have a healthy community and nowhere is that more important than it is with our children and the kind of environment, the kind of education, the kind of society that we provide to them. Technology impacts that hugely. It will play a tremendous role in shaping our children's future and the kind of world in which they will live. It's a powerful tool And like any powerful tool, it can magnify both the positive and the negative. And that's a difficult thing to navigate for ourselves, let alone how we navigate it for our children. Very specifically, we had the huge advance in technology that occurred last November with the release of chat GPT. Artificial intelligence, AI went mainstream and that created such a tidal wave of change that it even has people within the industry reeling. What does it mean for the future? How should it be regulated? How can we prepare our kids for a world that will be so very different than our own? Now we can't control what happens in society at large, but we can shape how it impacts us with our families, our livelihoods, and most of all, our children. We want to make that as positive as possible. So, I'd like to talk with you today about technology and education. We'll touch on a wide range of topics AI, social media, educational tools for kids, and at what age they're appropriate, programs for children with learning challenges, and support for gifted learners. And what we discuss today will be helpful for both parents and for educators who want to use technology more fully and more appropriately. Where I live in Silicon Valley, adults are constantly on their phones. It truly seems as though it's almost every waking minute. And children model this. Technology has become so much a part of us that we can lose perspective. Even two-year-olds have their own iPads. But it's not that way throughout the U.S. And some of the statistics on this may shock you. There's a fascinating report called Computers in Classrooms, the status of technology in US schools. It was published by the Educational Testing Service in Princeton, New Jersey. They're the standardized testing service that administers tests such as the GRE that students applying to grad school must take. So here are some things I learned in their report. Overall in the US, only 1% of the education budget nationally is spent on technology. 85% of US schools have multimedia computers, but the average ratio of students to computers is 24 to 1, nearly five times the ratio that's recommended by the US Department of Education. And in low-ranking Louisiana, the ratio of students to computers is 63 to 1. Only 64% of US schools even have access to the internet. In schools with a lot of poor and minority students, they're even less likely to have access to the internet. Only 14% of U.S. classrooms have access. Some more data. Only 9% of fourth graders said they used a computer for schoolwork almost daily. By the 12th grade, those are students about to graduate high school. That number only increased to 19% just about one-fifth. Students who said they never used a computer for schoolwork included 60% of fourth graders and 37% of 12th graders. Now, I'd like you to keep these statistics in mind as we talk to today's guest. He is my colleague and fellow educator, Matia Kermek. Matia teaches technology to grade school and junior high school kids in Croatia, a small country in the EU. The population of that entire country is just a little more than that of the city of Los Angeles. And the per capita income is about half of what it is in the US. Yet with a strong emphasis on education, they teach IT to 90% of grade school students in the country. And they begin to teach Microsoft Office tools for note-taking, starting with seven-year-olds, giving these kids a complete digital notebook of their entire education. And this emphasis placed on education is key. The European Union funds the Erasmus program, which makes sure that every university student can get an education at no cost or close to it. Students aren't saddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt that makes them question whether an education is worth having. And the EU strongly supports educating educators. The costs for continuing education, including course fees and travel, are covered. So educators are able and eager to continue their own development. Mattia is my colleague at Travel and Learn, a company that provides Erasmus education to educators. So, he's not just teaching students how to use technology, he also trains educators in how to better use technology in their classrooms. I think his perspective is valuable. Mattia welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you for inviting me to your show. Um, My name is Matija Krimek, Uh, I live in Kutina which is a small town near the capital of Croatia and uh, I have studied at the University of Zagreb. I have a master's degree in primary education and IT and besides that I also uh, have a high school degree in music so I teach music as well, I teach uh, Croatian traditional instrument called Tamburica. Uh, I, after the college, I started working in primary school as an IT teacher. I have participated in different competitions with students such as robotics, coding, photography, and so on. And uh, recently I have started working for Travel and Learn company, which is uh, a company that provides Erasmus courses for teachers. And I worked there as an educator. And some of my topics are Uh, digital technology in the classroom, innovative teaching methods, AI in education, and so on.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. Tell us more about how you use technology in the classroom.
2: Okay, so since I teach IT classes, uh, digital technology is a part of every lesson, and uh, we use office tools such as Word, Excel, depends on the age and the grade of the students Uh, we use some of the multimedia tools for audio or video editing coding such as python for older students or scratch for younger ones Uh, but besides that uh, in regular classes i use uh, OneNote, which is a digital notebook and it's really useful because we use it as a like i said as a notebook for students to write their own notes uh, but as well as uh, some kind of e-portfolio that students can uh, later on review and uh, they can have the contents from the whole uh, period of primary school from from the first lessons that we have together until the end of primary school. Everything is in their notebook and it's really useful. Uh, also we'll use some Online quizzes and tests, such as TestMoz, Kahoot, which is very popular among the students. Uh, Some crossword puzzles like WordWall and other tools like Padlet, Canva, and so on.
1: At what age do you think technology should be introduced to children? At what age is it healthy? And Mm -hmm. how do you think the use of technology should shift for each age group?
2: Currently... um, the it classes are optional from from the first grade uh to the fourth then in the fifth and sixth are obligatory and then seventh and seventh and eighth grade optional again uh but most of the students i think more than 90% of the students uh in total attend it classes that's a good thing because students are introduced to technology and uh educated about technology and the use of technology from the very young age, uh, seven years old. Uh, I think for some people, it might seem a little bit too early maybe, Uh, but if it's done properly and if it's introduced um, step by step, it can be very useful. And I think it can help the parents as well. so for the first grade or, you know, the age seven and eight years old, uh, it should be more of a educational games, just basics on how to use technology and uh, the safety, the pros and cons of technology, how much time should they spend using the technology during the day and why it's healthy or isn't healthy if you use it too much and so on. Then later on... Uh, we implement digital tools and uh, digital literacy. So, And then in the fourth grade, we have some kind of preparation for higher grades. So we learn about computer networks, basics in coding, uh, sharing online resources, um, and so on. And from the fifth to the end of the primary school work is um, a mixture of digital tools then coding, uh, then multimedia tools, uh, so a variety of, a lot of different tools that can be used later on in their education, as well as in uh, employment later on in their life.
1: Now, you and I were chatting earlier about the fact that when parents look at their phones all the time, the kids model that, and they start reaching for the phone as young as age one or two years old. Um, can you comment on where you think technology is a, an issue, where it's too soon, where they're too young? Um, where is it a positive? Where is it a negative? Um, what what are you seeing in the young children?
2: Those children are... Um still not capable of um, controlling, of course, themselves and uh, of understanding what the technology is. We see a lot of parents, I would say, especially young, younger parents, uh, that just give the phones to the, like you said, one or two-year-olds. Uh, and it becomes their number one toy. And they use it too often, I think. Uh, but I don't think it's a problem if If you have some kind of games that would maybe um, have uh, some kind of logical way of thinking maybe for them, so they they have to pair some kind of colors or something, that might be okay, But of course, in a very controlled uh, and restricted environment, so not just giving the phone and letting them scroll and especially with a little bit older students who know how to turn on the YouTube and watch the short videos. Because I think today in schools, we have uh, more and more problems with the students' attention. And it's probably uh, partially related to uh, YouTube shorts or TikTok videos, which are very short. Um, You watch a video for a few seconds, then you scroll to another video, then to another, then to another, and so on for a very long time and So every few seconds, you have a new content, uh, and then a new one, and then a new one, and so on. So uh, it actually shortens, I think, the attention span in children, and it's becoming, like I said, more and more of a problem.
1: And you touched on an important point earlier, which is that it's so important to maintain other skills, that... You don't want them only typing on the devices and not learning how to write.
2: (laughs) Yes, of course. And uh, besides that, I would say the social skills and communication today are also very important skills that should be uh, more in focus uh, with parents and educators as well. Because uh, most of the communication happens online. Uh, So children today... Don't know how to express their opinions, how to share ideas, how to collaborate in person uh, because most of the communication happens online.
1: So um, do you have any favorite programs, tools, podcasts, anything like that for each particular age group?
2: Well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I would say um, OneNote, which is part of the Office 365 uh, tools is one of my favorite for uh, my lessons for all the groups that I have uh, because it's very easy to use and um, children have the every, all the content that they create for years, so they can look back one, two, or five years back and have everything they they have done, and uh, as well as the content that I provide for them and uh for other tools well i have some specific that i like to use in my classes such as uh the one for the video editing uh which is called filmora it's uh, it's actually uh licensed and we have one licensed pc for extracurricular multimedia group that we use so uh and uh, it's very easy to use it's easier than some other programs that are maybe more popular. Uh, so that's why I like to use it with my students uh, as well as the GIMP, which is the photo editing uh, software, uh, which is free. And uh, I use it with a little bit older students as well as the Filmora, so 12 to 14 years old maybe. Uh, and besides that, I like, I really like to use Scratch and uh, MindPlus which are programs for coding for younger students so they are uh, visual or block coding and uh, the mind plus is also used with uh, simple robots that we have in school and those kind of apps are really great for uh, teaching coding and uh, for younger students because when they create some kind of code and uh try try it out and see what it does they can actually see what their program is doing so either it's a robot uh you know moving right left and or or on a, some kind of path or in a scratch it's uh, different characters talking to each other moving up and down and so on uh, coding is actually a part of the curricula for from the first grade in Croatia but uh, on a different level so from in the first grade there are some online tools and uh, games that teach coding uh, I think one of them is called lightbot it's very fun and simple and uh, it just uses uh, the logical thinking you know you, you know you have to press buttons uh, to to move a character in the game. So uh, not, not to press, but uh, if the robot has to go, I don't know, left and right, then right and left, then you have to put the directions in advance and then click play. And you can see if it's going the right way or not. So that kind of games and uh, tools are used with younger students. Uh, and later on, in the fifth grade, we introduce them to Python. Uh, it's of course it's basics of Python, so uh, just basic programming, uh, where they learn how how the how to code, and uh, some of the loops that they can use, and so on. Uh, but since it's uh, the same curricul- curricula for all the students. Uh, it's all kept to, I would say, a minimum um, because coding is not easy. And like math, it's not for everybody. So uh, not all students will be uh, programmers and not everybody is also interested in coding. So it's just one part of the curricula. And uh, like I said, it's kept to a minimum. But then we have some extracurricular curricular groups that uh, students can attend if they're interested more in coding.
1: Let's take a break here. And when we come back, we'll be talking about artificial intelligence. We're going to have a lot to say about the risks, about the benefits and what it means for you. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
0: Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Healthy, wealthy you will help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. We'll explore all aspects of well-being, nutrition, lifestyle, fitness, mental health, relationships, family, work, finances. It's you living your best life. No matter what your current health or life obstacles, we want to help you cross that bridge to your new life. Our experience with food, nutrition, supplements, functional medicine, specific health issues, and every aspect of what it means to be truly healthy will provide something for every level of interest, bringing new twists on what you already know. We'll help you figure out why you haven't achieved your goals and learn strategies to help you create a personal approach that finally works for you. Enjoying our shows and can't get enough of us? Follow us on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio and see what we're cooking up for you. Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy You. If you have questions for Dr. Camille or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show with Dr. Camille.
1: Welcome back to Healthy, Wealthy You. This is Dr. Camille, and we're continuing our conversation with Matia Kermak about technology and education. Now let's turn to our hot button topic, AI. It exploded last November with the release of ChatGPT, which made the use of AI readily available to all of us. A fascinating report was published by McKinsey & Company called, The State of AI in 2023, Generative AI's Breakout Year. One of their surveys was of top businesses, and they asked about the risks associated with AI. Inaccuracy was the top concern, with 56% of respondents agreeing that this was a concern for them. This has already been a big issue. There was one case in which a litigation attorney used AI to write his brief, and the software quoted legal cases as precedents that didn't exist. AI has changed people's biographies online, including documenting that they committed crimes that they hadn't. and Unfortunately, once AI learns this, it can proliferate on the internet, and it becomes almost impossible to erase. The next concern, with 53% of saying that this was an issue for them, was cybersecurity. And yes, once it becomes this easy to falsify documents, photos, and voices, it becomes that much easier to be deceived. One suggestion is to create a safe word or phrase so that if someone is pretending to be a family member in trouble, if there's a help me send money message, we wait for that word. And if it isn't worked into the conversation, we know it's a scam. The next concern is infringement on intellectual property and copyright. And the very creation of AI was based on infringement gathering the work of authors, artists, designers, et cetera, and copying their style and methods. It will be a big concern as time goes by, as AI images become more refined, users become more sophisticated, and as AI starts copying AI. The next top concern was regulatory compliance. And the big question here is, what will those regulations be? No one really has a handle on it yet including the tech companies themselves, and who should do the regulating. Often the tech companies are left to self-regulate, perhaps in some cases too often. One article suggested that perhaps we use AI to help write the regulations on AI, since it could more easily comb through relevant legal statutes as well as public commentary. The next concern was explainability, which will get easier over time as people get used to it. And today's children who will grow up with it will consider it second nature to integrate it into everything. Next on the list is privacy. And that is a regulatory issue as well as a personal one. The Europeans are much stricter about privacy than the US. And I think we can take some lessons from them. And on the personal side, being as careful as possible about what we put out there comes first. There's the issue of impact on the workforce. How will it change? What jobs will be needed in the future? It's interesting that there was such a huge increase in remote work since the pandemic, yet jobs that are tech-dependent have the highest potential of being replaced by AI. Certainly, it's something for anyone to keep in mind if they're considering a career change. And of course, it's even more important for young people who are starting their educations and their career training. Another issue is bias. We have so much of that in our society and our media, and it'll only be compounded as AI supercharges those slants. On the McKinsey list are also political stability and national security. And unquestionably, the proliferation of information and misinformation, especially the creation of deep fakes and the loss of the ability to tell what is real and what isn't may be the most impactful issue on a global level. One proposal I liked comes from the Allen Institute. They suggested that developers open source their data on what was fed into their AI programs so that it can be scrutinized for accuracy not the code. That would be a disaster if just anyone could generate their own AI programs. Just the data that's used to train the software. It would certainly help with the issues such as inaccuracy, copyright infringement, and bias. Now, what do we do if we want to enjoy the positive aspects of AI without the negatives? Everybody is wanting to know what this really means for education, you know, there's so much going on with kids now having the app write their college admissions applications and all kinds of things. And and there's concern that, you know, it will stunt learning. But on the other hand, um, it opens up a lot of possibilities. So how do you see that that AI has changed education?
2: Uh. AI is a very powerful tool that can be very useful and uh, if it's used properly. Uh, for students, it can help them explore topics, learn more and learn faster. Uh, it can help them solve problems if they get stuck, for example, when uh, learning how to code. Uh, if they get stuck and then don't know what, where the problem is, they could you know, use it to, uh, to check if there's an error in their code uh, but there's also a negative side where in that same situation they could just use the ai to you know have have it written in a few seconds but then uh it won't be their work and they won't actually learn from it for the teachers uh ai can be very useful for preparing different activities uh, exploring new ideas, creating content for lessons, and so on. And uh, we actually have in Travel and Learn a course that is called AI and ChatGPT in education. We try to familiarize teachers with the AI and uh, the positive sides of using it and how to use it and implement it in their teaching
1: and do you think that there's a downside that educators will also start to think less?
2: I don't think so because to be able to do so, uh, you need to have your own ideas. you need to think uh, And I would say that that's the same with the students. Uh, if you want to create something using AI, it's very hard and to get what you actually want if you're not familiar with with the topic or so you need to first have your idea.
1: And I think that that's a really important point that we haven't really brought up a lot in discussions about AI is that you have to at least be educated enough to ask the right questions. And that at a certain point, if you become too dependent on AI if you kind of use it to cheat, um, your your education becomes very self limiting. You after a certain point, you won't know the questions to ask. <laughs> yeah. And where, in your opinion, should we draw the line so that students don't overuse technology and AI?
2: Uh, we need to uh, familiarize students with the technology and educate them on the proper use of it so it's, it's similar to using the images and other digital content uh, they know about the copyright and uh, they know how to give credit to authors so you know if they use some kind of uh, images that they found online they have to uh, name the author if it's available or just uh, name the web page they uh, downloaded the image from And uh, I think for the AI, uh, it should be something similar.
1: Well, and that almost may have to come from the tech companies themselves, that it becomes hard to produce something unless there is some way of identifying it. Like I know with images, they're trying to create uh, watermarks that can't be removed on the image. But of course, every time the tech company tries to create something like that, then somebody else develops the technology to take it away. So it becomes a back and forth sort of thing, but hopefully that's not at the level of children. Um, And it's interesting what you say about copyright, because of course the way AI was developed in the first place was that they fed a tremendous amount of um, information into the programs. And I know that a lot of authors and I know one personally whose book was used to train AI and and people are very concerned about that. They're very upset that it is an infringement of copyright. So there is going to be a lot happening in terms of of government regulation, in terms of legality um, on this issue. Yeah. So what do you think are the most important skills for young children to develop and how how can parents support? this
2: mm-hmm. so uh, i i talked a little bit about social skills communication so i think number one is for parents just to to talk to their children to communicate which is um uh, i i would say most important in in raising a children to have a quality time and to talk uh because if you just uh you know, spend your time on your phone and your children spend their time on their phones or computers or whatever. Where is the actual uh, communication? And uh, how can you know what your children are thinking, doing, what they are uh, watching and learning from from this uh, online content? And the second one, I also mentioned digital literacy and responsibility. So not just using whatever they want but you have to make some kind of agreement with them or uh, there are also some apps that you can use uh, to have actually a supervision over your child's phone such as google's uh, family link and uh, it's very good because you can just restrict the time that your children can uh, use their phone uh, you can control the apps that are available and uh, you can even have them uh, to ask for permission to install new apps and so on so it's very useful for parents for of uh, younger children but I would say that's that's maybe for for the start and uh, just to set some bounds in uh, but later on as the children get older I think it's not a good thing to have the total control I mean you never have total control but to try and have a total control over their devices and their free time uh, but it it's important that when they're younger you, you learn and you have a mutual trust and uh, so that later on when they're older and when they need more privacy maybe uh, that you are you feel comfortable because if you worked on it for years then At some point, you should be okay.
1: Well, and I think this issue of trust is really key in this conversation because, you know, if you try to control a a young person too much, um, you know, of course, they're going to rebel and, and just want it all the more. So at what age do you feel this boundary changes of the control is healthy versus the control becomes problematic.
2: When the puberty is starting and uh, they will ask for more privacy and uh, they will have um, maybe more resistance uh, towards any kind of control. So by that time, you should already have some kind of uh, trust and relationship it's uh, it's becoming more and more early, and uh, every everything is is happening sooner. You know, uh, children have their phones even before the, they start the school, and so on. So you need to work on that very early, so that you could, at some certain point, you could you could feel, uh, you know, safe to to just cut some of the restrictions and. Uh, and supervision.
1: And that's one of the scariest times for a parent is around age 13 or 14, because they're starting to individuate. They are starting to know what they want in the world, and, ha- or at least have ideas, but they're not intellectually or socially mature enough yet to be making good decisions. And with the whole world coming at them with technology, um, it is a very frightening time for a parent.
2: Yes, I believe so. Also digital literacy and responsibility, I would say, because uh, everybody, especially students, think they know how to use everything and and they know everything. Um, But um, it's very important to educate them in how to use the technology safely and uh, that there are actually some consequences.
1: Can you talk more about the consequences?
2: I would, I would mention social media here. We also see today that uh, the younger and younger students are using the social media. So you have students that are just seven or eight years old that already have maybe not a Facebook account, but Instagram account, TikTok, Snapchat, and so on. And uh, they don't fully understand, I would say, that creating content and sharing content and uh, sharing, for example, photographs uh, of themselves or their friends, uh, shouldn't be taken too easy. Too too easily. Uh, you could actually have um, some legal consequences. Well, children, maybe not directly because they are too young to. Uh, be responsible, but the parents uh, are responsible for them and their actions. There is a certain age limit that children are legally not, uh, uh, shouldn't be using the the apps. Uh, I think for the most of the social media is 13 years old. Yeah. I
1: think a lot of parents would like them to wait until they're twenty. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
2: uh, a lot of parents are uh, have the problem because you know what will other students think of my uh, my kid or how will my children feel if they're the only ones that they that don't have the phone or they don't have the Instagram account most of the parents just say, okay, you can, you can have your, I don't know, phone, you can have this, you can have that. And uh, a lot of parents also, I think, uh, don't have the control over their children's phones and uh, the content they, they look at. And that's, I think, the, the biggest problem.
1: Let's go ahead and take a break here. Um, this is Dr. Camille and Healthy Wealthy You, and we're talking about children and technology with Mattia Kermick, and we'll be right, right back.
0: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Healthy, wealthy you will help you find the tools to become the best version of yourself. We'll explore all aspects of well-being, nutrition, lifestyle, fitness, mental health, relationships, family, work, finances. It's you living your best life. No matter what your current health or life obstacles, we want to help you cross that bridge to your new life. Our experience with food, nutrition, supplements, functional medicine, specific health issues, and every aspect of what it means to be truly healthy will provide something for every level of interest, bringing new twists on what you already know. We'll help you figure out why you haven't achieved your goals and learn strategies to help you create a personal approach that finally works for you. Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. welcome back to Healthy Wealthy You. If you have questions for Dr. Camille or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. Now, back to the show with Dr. Camille.
1: Hi, this is Dr. Camille and Healthy Wealthy You, and I'm here with Matia Kodomek, and we're talking about children And technology and particularly young children let's talk a little bit about children with special needs both children with learning challenges and also on the other side of the spectrum gifted learners i think this is one of the most useful areas of technology especially because oftentimes teachers who are teaching children with special needs you know, it can be a little overwhelming and you don't have enough time and And it's it's quite quite good if children can work a little bit on their own at their own pace. So do you have any recommendations for tools for children with special needs or any experiences that you've had in this area?
2: Yes, I have some tools that I could recommend. Um, but before that, I would say that uh, working with children with special needs uh, either with the learning disabilities or the gifted learners, uh, it takes the good preparation. You, know, you, you have to prepare materials in advance and uh, you need to know your students and uh, what they can do and what they will be, have difficulties with. So... Um, Okay, some of the tools are, uh, for example, Omoguru, as it's a creation app for reading adjustments. So um, it's actually a web browser extension. So if you have students with dyslexia, for example, you can adjust their, uh, or they can adjust for themselves, their their fonts, uh, sizes, and so on. Uh, There's another one, Read Aloud, which is, uh, again, an extension that uh, uses the text to speech. So, uh, again, for students who maybe have difficulties, difficulties reading or understanding uh, while reading, uh, they could use this kind of tool to help them understand uh, and uh, get through text easier. You know, just to, to hear it aloud. And for the gifted learners, of course, it depends on the area of giftedness. Um for the gifted students, I would say uh, AI, for example, chat, uh or coding, if that's the area they're uh, gifted at.
1: Well, and in the area of gifted learning, that's, you know, I mean, the Internet is so incredible. And, you know, as as much as we may find technology challenging, it is really amazing to have all the world's knowledge at our fingertips to be able to look at Google Earth and see, you know, specifically every area of the world or be able to look at art in museums, even if you can't fly to go see them in person. And I mean, it it really is a miracle um, what we have available for our children these days if we give them the proper guidance.
2: Yes, I agree
1: what you do is to educate educators as part of the Erasmus program so what advice do you have for educators who are interested in adding more technology into their existing programs
2: I would say uh, first of all uh, choose carefully and plan ahead so um, implementing technology in classes shouldn't be uh, you know the the technology shouldn't be the purpose for itself. Uh, Just try implementing tools one by one. So choose something simpler at the beginning if you're not uh, very familiar with tools and with digital uh, technology. So try and find something that's more simple. Uh, Be sure to explore the tool in advance so that you're familiar with the possibilities and options that it provides. And uh, try to use it in a way to enrich your lessons or to uh, change the approach to the topic. You know, just to uh, do some lessons differently. To uh, because students will probably most of the time engage more if the technology is involved because it's something that they are familiar with and they, in general, students really like to use technology. Uh, so implementing shouldn't be a problem but be careful uh, so that you you're ready you know because uh, if you're not familiar with the tools enough then you can very easy easily get into problems yeah. <laughs> on how to use it and uh, the students are very fast and uh, most of the time they find some things and options for the tools that even you're not aware of (laughs) prepare well and uh, don't overdo it don't don't use i don't know three different tools at the same time especially if you're not if it's not your area of expertise so just go slowly and uh, and i think you will have more fun as well as your students Uh, since I also work and, at uh, Travel and Learn, which is a course provider for the Erasmus project. Some of the courses that I uh, teach at the Travel and Learn are innovative teaching methods. So uh, when using the new or innovative teaching methods, uh, the key is to and reach your lessons to have a different approach and to engage students more. And there are so many different tools and apps that you can use uh, either to just uh, prepare some kind of uh, motivational activity or uh, for the assessment, mm. for the quizzes and uh, for the assessment, for example, uh, one of the most, Uh, Popular ones is Kahoot that I believe most of the educators nowadays are already familiar with. Uh, But there are some others like uh, Quizlet or TestMoz, which is, for example, the one that I use for uh, grading my students when we have the test. Uh, Then there are some of the tools that you can use to create digital contents like Canva, where you can create uh, presentations or posters, um, or if you want to combine, for example, outdoor activities with technology, you can use uh, Action Bound, which is a great app that you can, uh, in which you can create treasure hunts. You can uh, give different tasks for students so they have to. I don't know, either search for something that you have prepared in advance or uh, solve the puzzles so that they could um, find some clues that you planted in the school or around the school and so on. So you can actually use it to to combine the outdoor activities uh, with the technology. But they will be engaging with each other outside, uh, spending time, uh, outdoors, which is healthy as well.
1: Are there warning signs for which parents should watch to make sure that their kids aren't aren't overusing technology?
2: That leads us back to the communication, education, and mutual trust between parents and children. There there might not be uh, any warning signs for a long time because uh, from the outside, everything might seem fine, uh, doing well in, in school and so on Uh, but during that time the children could have already made certain habits or encountered uh, different kinds of content which actually affects and shapes their future behaviors and thoughts uh if they if you can see some signs uh it might already be i wouldn't say too late but uh,
1: And do you have any recommendations for parents whose children have become addicted to video games or other technology?
2: And if you're not very familiar with apps and with technology, it's okay to consult with teachers or someone else with the expertise in the area. Uh, And for those who already might have a problem with their children, uh, it's never too late to change, especially for children so getting them away from technology and video games won't be easy uh but i would say you have to be consistent and not give up at the first signs of resistance and what i would suggest is instead of just banning technology you know just uh, which which would create even more resistance maybe try and make some kind of agreement with your children or with your child and uh, it it can be maybe even as some kind of uh, contract, you know, that uh, we have something similar in a classroom manager, management where we create contracts with our students uh, on the classroom rules, uh, what they are, uh, what they can do, and uh, what are the consequences for uh, breaking the rules and so on. So maybe you can do something similar with your child. For parents, I would say just spend some quality time with your children. Technology can be and is fun, but like everything else, it's uh, if it's overused, it's not good. So teach them to spend time outside, to play with their friends, to travel, hike, ride a bike, or whatever you prefer, and try to find a balance between the technology and everything else.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Mattia. I really appreciate you <laughs> joining us today. This has been Dr. Camille and Mattia Karmack talking about um, technology and our children. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Healthy Wealthy You. Have a question but weren't able to get on the show today? Join us next week and call in. Until then, hold that inspiration.